Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reniger. This podcast is a place where I strive to help women and men that are experiencing struggles with infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. I have guests come on that share their stories about their struggles of infertility. And they share about the losses that they may have had. We also talk about where they have found support through their journey and also the grief that they may have experienced. The guest and I are very committed to help you so you do not feel alone on your journey, that you're not blaming yourself through all of the struggles and the heartaches. They always are giving so many words of advice and encouragement to you, the listeners. It is really amazing to me how open they are to share their journey to help you, the listener. And today's guest, just like the others, had a very uh, difficult time becoming a mom. So Kim said that it took quite a while for her and her husband to decide whether they wanted to have a child or not. And then they made the decision that they did. And she said, I thought that was going to be the hard part, just making the decision. And you'll hear through the episode, she had four losses. Very, I don't know, I think she said, the doctor said, just bad luck. So I'll let her share that. But she now has... A little girl, which she'll share, uh, that's three and a half. She's an amazing woman. She has since went on and uh, recently wrote a book, co-authored a book, and she'll talk about that book. Um, and we'll, t- we'll have her back on. I'll have her back on uh, in a few weeks, and we'll talk more in depth about the book. But in the show notes, there will be information about the book if you want to get it ahead of time and read it before um, the guests come on. That would be awesome. So as always, make sure you listen to the very end of the episode where Kim will summarize some of her words of encouragement and advice for you. Hello, Kim. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I am so excited for my listeners to hear your story. And sometimes when I say excited, it's like, is that the right thing to say? Because sometimes there's trauma and disappointment and stuff, but I am excited for them to hear. Um, story because every story is very unique and so it is exciting for me to have you on and for you to share your story yeah thank you you're welcome so welcome and so my first question to my um guests are always who is kim can you share some stuff with the audience so that they can get a kind of a visual picture of who it kim is yeah so um, Kim is a writer. That's always, I guess, the mm. first thing I think of when I think of myself. Um, Perfect. I, 
I write novels mostly, but um, when I went through my pregnancy losses, which we're going to talk about, um, that kind of motivated me to write my first nonfiction book. So I feel like writing is kind of my therapy and also my way of connecting with other people and um, kind of having like a, a trading of ideas, I guess. Um, so writer, I'm, I'm a mom. Um, after my losses, I, did, I was able to have my daughter. Um, she's three and a half. Uh, I'm a wife to my husband, Chris, um, you know, friend, sister, daughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And um, tell the listeners, if you're okay with this, where you, where you live, you know, you don't have to um, say specifically, but maybe just yeah. in the state. Yep. I live in Southern California. So in Orange County. Okay. So like, I'm jealous you're in the St. Louis area. That's why I wanted you to say that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very, I I grew up in California, so I feel like I've been spoiled by the weather and probably would not do well in any other location. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not not in our location here in St. Louis because (laughs) weather is always changing for sure. So I, I um, am very jealous of of where you (laughs) live. So, but I love traveling there. So it's beautiful there. So you've already alluded to this, and this is what the podcast is about for you to share your story. I know it was a long journey for you to have that little girl that you have that's three and a half, but walk us through um, kind of where that all started. You know, I yep. think um, I, I um, know part of your story, but let the listeners hear your, I guess, entire story, your, your journey to motherhood. Yeah. So um, I always start by saying that I was never sure about motherhood. I I always questioned whether or not I wanted to be a mother, whether um, that responsibility, whether I would be a good mother. I always had these questions. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I met my husband and he, his parents were both going through long-term illnesses at the time. Um, And then they, and they both passed away within about a year of each other. And I think, seeing that I something it just like awakened something in me where I I just felt like um I want to bring life into the world like I want a family I want that you know bond that loving bond um it just it just became very clear that I wanted to be a mom um so I guess I I sometimes tell people you know you you might not always grow up thinking like I definitely want a child and then it can come later Mm -hmm. um so that was the case for me. Sure. Um, and a lot of women are like, oh, I knew I was a mom since I was five years old. I wanted to be a mom, you know, yeah. but, but you're right. Like in your case, there are, there are women that just aren't sure. So, yeah, yeah I mean, okay. I, I, I thought about it very hard and, you know, um, so by the time I decided, okay, we, we definitely want to have a baby. I thought that was kind of the hard part is coming to that decision. We, t- we talked about it and thought about it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just kind of thought, okay, now I've made the decision and I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first time I got pregnant, um, I had some spotting and this was my first experience with pregnancy. So I had absolutely no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I had heard of miscarriage. So I was kind of tentatively concerned about that, but I didn't really even have a grasp on how common that was. I, I just didn't know anything. Yeah. So when I went into the doctor and they said the pregnancy was ectopic, meaning the embryo was in my um, left fallopian tube, I was just 
like shocked. Like, um, I I say that first loss was just kind of so traumatic because it was shocking on a lot of levels. Mm -hmm. It was like within 10 minutes, they were like, we need to get you into surgery now. Um, I had never had surgery before aside from like wisdom teeth being pulled. But um, Mm -hmm. so it was medically traumatic. It was kind of like I had gone from assuming that we were having a baby to now like, wait, my life is in danger. I've Mm -hmm. lost the baby. I'm losing my fallopian tube. Like what? It, it like all these things happening all at once. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure like questioning. Well, how does it get stuck? There? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Know, I like I had what? like I said no background yeah. on on these things. I had heard it was like one percent of pregnancies, um, which sounds obviously so low. But I mean, I guess one in a hundred pregnancies is not that low. I mean, we no. all know a hundred people, and I've I've known um, acquaintances and and friends who have had ectopic pregnancies. So it's, it's not common, but it's not unheard of. Um, so going through that, I kind of had this weird assumption, like, okay, I've paid my dues. And now the second pregnancy is for sure going to work. Like Mm, I I just kind of thought that's how the world worked. Um, and thankfully my doctor, she was retiring. Um, but she said, I just want to let you know that a lot of people go on after an ectopic pregnancy and have a totally normal pregnancy the next time, but miscarriage is very common. So I just want to warn you of that. And it, you know, it's not, if you have one, it's not related to the ectopic pregnancy. It's just, it's just kind of a bad luck thing. Mm-hmm. So she kind of, I, now I'm like, was she psychic? Cause my second pregnancy, they were tracking me very early because of the ectopic. And they're like, well, the embryo is in the uterus this time, but it does not appear to be viable. So, yeah. So then again, I'm kind of shocked, like again, like I just could not believe, you know, and there was again, kind of like that medical shock because I was looking at the doctor like, okay, so what happens? Like I, I didn't have any symptoms of a miscarriage. Like I had no spotting. I had nothing wrong. Like I didn't think anything was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, so he said, well, I can give you these pills and you can miscarry at home. And so he gave me these pills and, um, they didn't work. So mm. nothing, nothing happened. I took these pills and I guess they work for 80% of women, but I've learned statistics mean nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, they so, do not. <laughs> yeah. So it took me like weeks cause I, I was, I didn't want to have, um, a, a surgery to mm-hmm. remove the embryo. So I just waited and it took weeks before I, finally miscarried. Um, and again, I had no concept of like, I mean, I learned after this was called a missed miscarriage because I didn't have any symptoms. I learned that a miscarriage does not always happen just immediately. Like it can be a really drawn out medical physical process, which again, blew my mind. No idea. Yeah. Um, And so I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. So how did you handle that? Like emotionally, like, I mean, yeah, physically, you're I mean, waiting for your body to yes. to miscarry, it, but it feels just, like a a, a yeah. purgatory. It's yeah, just yeah. very yeah. It's it's just like this weird lull. And the hardest part for me was um, trying to go about like normal life, and nobody knows you're going through this. Like it's not like anybody could see visibly that I had been pregnant, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, I'm in work meetings. And I'm like dealing with bleeding and just feeling tired. I'm having hormone fluctuations that accompany a miscarriage. So I think going through regular life and like looking at people and feeling like 
I'm going through this monumental thing and nobody has any idea. It's very isolating, you very know? Very much, um, yes. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, how you felt. Yeah, I mean, you know, one in four pregnancies, they say, end in loss. But, you know, when you're going through it, it feels like one in four million. It feels like you're on, like, an island by yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And even if, I mean, there were some people I told. And even when you do tell them, you feel kind of um, just like they don't fully get it. Um, because it's hard for them to feel an attachment to your attachment to this child they never saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless they've been through it, I think it can kind of be very abstract for people. Well, and I um, think that it's true too then that they, they don't really want to talk about it with you because they don't know no. how you're going to react, you yes. know, if it's going to be setting to you. So it's just like, a yes. very difficult time yes, for, th- for everyone that knows, yes. you know? Right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, with distance, I see, I have more compassion from friends and family who just honestly, like you said, didn't know what to say. Right. They wanted the best. And sometimes people just spit out the wrong thing. And it's more of a, a sign of their own discomfort with loss yes. in general. But um, that doesn't mean it feels any less, you know, Hurtful. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, okay. Yeah. I was just curious. I mean, that's a long time to wait and just, I I think you're kind of in a limbo almost. I would think, you know, the grieving has started, but can't be really even, um, I don't want to say completed, but you're there's such the waiting for the for the miscarriage yeah. to happen um yeah for, all for me the rest I, of yeah. those emotions to to kick in and go I guess yeah and I think a lot of people don't realize how much waiting is involved mm. in pregnancy loss and also in infertility you know mm-hmm. whether you're waiting between cycles waiting to start a treatment waiting to try again waiting to you know no longer be pregnant like for yeah. your for your levels to drop to a point where you're not considered pregnant like waiting right. waiting waiting <laughs> um Whew. it's just very and, and waiting with you know all all the while trying to go about normal life and tend to your normal responsibilities like you know we're not allowed in this country much of a grief period for mm-hmm. the loss itself but then the waiting period which can be weeks and months and kind of like the ongoing um, difficulty of that. Um, you know, we're not really given much space for that. So it can be very, um, trying, like that was, you know, one of the harder, probably the hardest time of my life. And, and others and men especially want to know why we are so emotional. Oh yeah. Good grief, you know? (laughs) Yeah. How could we not? Yeah. Oh, my husband had, um, you know, I think it was very hard for him to see me break down mm-hmm. and to not have like a simple fix. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, he like, like many men that I've talked to, you know, they, they want to jump in and fix it. Absolutely. And if it's an emotional issue and there's no easy solve, I think it can be very unsettling for, mm-hmm. for, I mean, for my husband, for sure. And like I said, I've talked to many men Um, Mm -hmm. but very unsettling to kind of go through that and watch your wife like deal with something that's, um, kind of out of your control. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now you've had a miscarriage, you've had a surgery, a topical surgery, now a a miscarriage. So were you ready to quit or where were you at? Um, after each of my losses, I was ready to quit, but Mm -hmm. then with some time I would kind of come around to wanting to try again, but it definitely was kind of a process. Um, you know, to kind of come around to wanting to try again and then feeling scared. We were Mm -hmm. trying to have a sense of humor about it. We went into the third time thinking like, you know, you know, three strikes and you're out or third time's a charm. It's going to be one of those cliches. (laughs) We just, we just were trying to, we just assumed, okay, this one is, this is it. This is the last time. Like what, you know, yeah. We're going to try this one more time. It's going um, to work. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. I, I did get pregnant again, which I, you know, at the time people said, at least you can get pregnant. And I thought that that was so dismissive, like, yep. okay, I'm getting pregnant, but I keep losing babies. But I guess with time and, you know, I am grateful that I was given so many opportunities to try, but it is very painful to keep losing. Yes. But, um, so my third pregnancy, um, everything seemed good. Like my numbers were good. Um, we found out it was a boy. Um, and we, yeah, we had a name picked out miles. Um, there were no, like, we did a lot of early testing for like genetic issues. We did a lot of early scans. Everything was going well. Um, when I went in for my, it was like around 15 weeks, I think. And the doctor said that there was like low amniotic fluid. And he Mm -hmm. said that, that could be because of a problem with the baby's kidneys, like not processing the fluid and excreting it properly. And um, they didn't really know, like he just said, low amniotic fluid, you need to, you know, just go home and rest. I had him write me out of work for a couple of weeks. So I could really just rest, um, drink a lot of fluids, like try to get the levels up. Mm -hmm. Um, Those two weeks were again, torture, just Mm. waiting. But I kind of felt like, you know, everything's fine. I wasn't, I didn't have any symptoms of anything being awry. I didn't feel anything weird. I didn't, there was no bleeding, no spotting, nothing like everything seemed fine. So I thought I would go back in and things would be fine. It was just like a weird fluke. Um, but I went back in and he said, you know, I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat. And Mm -hmm. I just was like shocked. Like I, I mean, that moment, like I had like post-traumatic stress related to that moment for like weeks and months afterward, Mm. just hearing those words and just feeling it like, okay, this, this is like, there was my life before. And this marks the beginning of some other life when I have like entered this zone of grief I've never been in before. Cause I felt like he was my son. Like I felt very connected at that point. And I think I was just so shocked. Um, so, um, they never found a reason Mm. they, I had a D and E, um, I mean, I had to wait a couple days, which again, no one tells you. So it's like a couple days and I'm carrying my baby inside me and they have to do certain preparatory procedures because I was so far along and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so then had the surgery. I, I will say that I was grateful that I had the surgery and it was done that, um, you know, I what didn't have to wait to pass a baby, but right. at the same time, I also regret not 
giving birth to him because I was given that option. Like we could induce you to deliver him. But, uh, you know, I had been told he had probably passed like, you know, at least a week before. And I just didn't want to see him like that. I don't know. Um, But it's something I still struggle with. And I still, you know, wonder if I should have done that. But um, those are hard decisions to make. Yes. Especially in the moment. I mean, I think it's it's easy for me to say now, you know, it's been um, just about five years. And Mm -hmm. um, it's easy for me to say now, like, I would want to see him. But I think in the moment, I, I felt like that would have just broken everything inside of me. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I, I don't ever tell anyone that there's like a right or a wrong with that. You just kind of have to have compassion for yourself and make the decision in the moment with the information that you yes. have and the feelings you have available and kind of go on. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that still thinks about it. Yeah. And I think that happens with with all situations with women, yeah. you know, yep. um, some have, have been induced and, you know, have seen their child, you know, and same as you said, you know, with that moment, found out that there were, the baby was no longer living, you know, that post-traumatic, you know, stress that goes yeah. along with that, that moment of seeing that child in in that in the condition that they are in because things start to to happen you know um and so the same is with those women that have you know that maybe i shouldn't have so i think that kind of goes both ways and but you have like you said you you have to each person has to decide on their own what yeah what they want to do there's no right or wrong yep exactly so, um, yeah. Okay, so ooh. so yeah. At that point, I just thought like we're done. There's this yeah, I was is gonna not say, I, three strikes no, and you're I'm out. Not doing and that's it. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, but again, some time passed, and I just refer to that definition of insanity of just doing the same thing over again and expecting a different outcome. And I just I don't know what was compelling me. I think it was partially that I kept getting pregnant, and I just was like, I I just believed one of these is going to be our, our child on earth. Like we are going to have a, a child. Like I just was mm-hmm. committed to that thought. Okay. Um, I got a new doctor because I could not stomach seeing the one mm. who had told me there was no heartbeat. Like I could not even like think about that man. Um, and so I got a new doctor and he kind of just said, you know, every pregnancy is different. Mm-hmm. So which you do you, already. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, you can't, necessarily predict how one is going to be based on the others and he's like yours have all been different yeah. <laughs> yes um different time points different issues he's like an ectopic is not related that's just bad luck like um anatomically like you know the early miscarriage likely was a genetic thing the second trimester who knows i mean there's just so many different things that he just kind of said, you just have to treat them each as their own experience and know in your heart whether you have the strength or, you know, I guess, fortitude to go on Try again. with trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went into the fourth attempt and um, I knew right away something was wrong with that pregnancy because I started spotting, which is what happened with my first ectopic. 
And I went in and the doctor was like, this is terrible luck. Like this pregnancy is ectopic. And I, I just was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, I had, I mean, I have a friend who's married to an OB and, and he's like, I've never seen that in my career, like a woman having two. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And like they, this time they couldn't see where the embryo was. So mm. at this point I learned that sometimes an embryo can like implant in the stomach cavity, like there's, it can like float in other areas, which I just had no idea. I didn't um, know that. But yeah. yeah. And so they mm. didn't want to do exploratory surgery. So they used um, methotrexate, which is actually a drug that's used an injectable, injectable drug that's used for um, cancer treatment because it kills cells. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, so I had a shot of that, but it took weeks of getting the blood levels like back to being not pregnant. And this pregnancy, I felt very just sort of matter of fact. Um, that's another thing is like some people say, oh, I had a loss, but I wasn't really that sad about it. I don't know. Is there something wrong with me? And I'm like, there's really nothing. There's no wrong. No. And like mm-hmm. each kind of loss can be different. Like with this one, I was just like, not another process, not another medical thing. Like I was just wanting my body to be back to a baseline of health. Like I was just frustrated with the whole process. Yeah. Um, and I had to be, you know, with ectopics, they're worried because they can be life-threatening if they continue to grow. So right. I had to get, you know, blood monitoring before work, like every other day. And it's just, it's just trying. It's just like a trying procedure. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of wanted that one to be done. And again, I was thinking, I'll never do this again. I'll never do this again. Yeah. <laughs> but then oh I told, gosh. I was like talking to my sister and my husband and I said, I don't know, would it be so like crazy? I just, like feel like we should just keep going like I I don't know my husband probably thought I was nuts but he's also very yeah some listeners might think you were nuts too yes I know I know especially with two ectopics that's like you know so medically strange and you know um can be very dangerous but um my doctor was you know he he didn't see a reason why not to and so I got pregnant a fifth time That pregnancy was completely textbook, no issues, not a single issue. Um, And I delivered my daughter like eight days before her due date. Like, so she was like a week early, totally healthy. Um, And I mean, she's three and a half now. It's, you know, crazy. I I mean, I, I didn't mention, but like at some point in this journey, we did see like fertility specialists. And I was told by one woman that like, I would just never conceive like you just, she said, your embryos are destined to die is what she said to me. I know. I still want to write her a letter and and like send her a picture of my daughter and say, this is the embryo that was not destined to die. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but then I had other doctors who say, you know, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you, you have a bad resume, but you keep getting the job, meaning you keep getting pregnant, even though like they determined my egg quantity and quality wasn't good. And, um, but they couldn't make sense of why I kept getting pregnant. And in any case, I was not a candidate for IVF, which I always thought was like the last resort that was available to anyone, but I was not a candidate for that. So I had really had no choice, but to keep trying again or just Mm, give up. Um, so, I mean, I was told by, you know, IVF would have a 3% chance of working. You're never going to have your own children. Like, um, so yeah, I I don't know. But then I had a completely normal pregnancy with my daughter. And that's kind of why I tell people 
like medicine is great and doctors can be great. They can also be jerks, but, um, (laughs) but, um, you kind of have to just know like your own body and there are miraculous things that happen. And a lot of this conception stuff, like doesn't make a ton of sense. Like there's, you know, fertility that's unexplained. There's miracle babies that are, you know, there people say there's no way they could happen. So, um, I kind of just tell people like you really, it's so much about trusting your own gut. And I mean, find medical providers who like understand you, but I mean, they just don't know everything. Like, yeah, find that, find that doctor that's willing to go with you through that journey of what you want. Yeah. And And my doctor was very supportive. And I mean, not, he, he wasn't, he didn't have his head in the clouds. He just said, I can't see anything that would lead me to think it's like, dangerous for you to keep getting pregnant like you've had such you know strange losses like mm-hmm. of different varieties but you know um I yeah. just remember what he said each pregnancy is different and my my fifth pregnancy for whatever reason was completely different than the other ones and um you know I can't say there was anything I did differently or anything it just kind of worked so yeah, and I think because it makes sense that he he would say that because I think sometimes if you're having a miscarriage at the same time, time and time again, then you know there could be really a genetic reason or yeah. there's something going on, blood clotting or something at that particular time. But like you said, yours were all different, so there was no. Yeah rhyme or reason to them and they did all the yeah they did all the testing and um Mm because there are a battery of tests they can run and I think those are all great they give you information um I mean that's when I found out my eggs were supposedly terrible but it it didn't make sense (laughs) that I kept getting pregnant so nobody could explain kind of like what the numbers were on the page and what my outcomes were yeah so they couldn't say they're like well ectopic is not really related to egg quality or uh-huh. you know so you know you just I don't know you just don't know yeah <laughs> um yeah. I would say you know there's definitely hope because I feel like my story is so odd but it, um it, that yes there's always hope I think yeah no no matter what there's always still that hope there um so I want to go back a little bit into that pregnancy so how were you during that pregnancy you said it was normal but at those times oh, like yeah. when you lost miles or the time when you know there wasn't a heartbeat and you found out that you know it was a mis- miscarriage or yeah how, how were you at those at those points through this you mean during sub- when carrying pregnancy. my daughter yes, yes. oh yes um, yeah and that's part of the reason why in the book we have a whole section on pregnancy after loss because okay um I felt afraid the whole time so um I felt better once I got past the point when I had lost miles, but I still okay. felt like very vulnerable to tragedy throughout the pregnancy. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, was doing kick counts, like very like obsessively and, um, you know, I, just a lot of anxiety. Um, and I think that's normal. I've heard this mm-hmm. from a lot of people that every doctor's appointment, you, you cause you're care, you're, you're carrying around all this post-traumatic stress from an event that's very similar. So you're sitting on the same kind of tables, you're getting the same kind of like medical discussions. You're, you know um, I mean, I didn't tell anyone I was pregnant for until I got to like 22 weeks and like at work, the only reason 
is that somebody said, oh, when you stand like that, it looks like you have a baby bump. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how they found out. Like I wasn't planning on telling anyone until it was just like so obvious because it felt like such a private thing. And I felt so protective of the whole thing that I just, you know, but pregnancy is one of those things that you cannot physically keep private for, (laughs) for too long. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't tell anyone. I, refused to have a baby shower, which I think was very confusing for people. But to me, it just felt like a jinx. Like, I I was like, I cannot accumulate things for her. Like, if if something happens, like, I just, I can't, like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, I still have trouble going to baby showers, even though I have a um, healthy daughter, I think it's hard for me to see people kind of like, joking around and having fun. Um, when they're pregnant, you know, because to me, it was such a fraught experience. And I think mm-hmm. I, I still have sadness that I never really had that like, happy go lucky pregnancy, you know, mm-hmm. um, I never had that fun pregnancy where it was just like, guess the belly circumference and you know, like, pick out everything for your registry. Like, I just didn't have that, like plan the nursery. Like, I mean, I, we just stuck a crib in there with like a, yeah, you know, in a guest bedroom, like I, I couldn't, even, you know, well, wrap my I, head around that. And I think that's pretty normal. Yeah, uh, for, I would think so. <laughs> for, for women that have had loss, you know, yeah. that's, that's very normal, you know, and that's definitely the reason that I wanted you to share all that so that the listeners know, you know, that that's normal and that it's okay yeah. to feel like that. You know, and the therapy and- can be very helpful. I mean, because yeah. I think people are like, but what do I do about it? Because it can be so um, yes, kind of debilitating, like if that's all you're thinking about and you're kind of like, how do I manage this and, and stay in the moment of this pregnancy and kind of manage the post-traumatic stress and the anxiety and the fear? And for me, I mean, therapy helped a lot with that yes. and um, just kind of having a place where I could kind of let my thoughts kind of be there and, um, you know, have somebody help me hold them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think nothing's going to take it away completely. Like no. you, you are going to have to kind of grieve that like happy go lucky pregnancy because it doesn't, you know, it's, it probably won't feel like that. Um, and you know, it's just kind of one of those things that you carry that, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and I and I guess I experienced both. Like I just ha- was very naive with my first daughter, and so yeah, had the baby shower and had all that. Had no clue, you know. Really, I think that something could happen, and and thankfully yeah. with her, it didn't. But then to experience that with the next, with a miscarriage, it was a a huge awakening, you know. Yeah. To me, it's wow. Like, I didn't know all this could happen. And so now, you know, obviously, I know really anything can happen, no matter where you're at in that pregnancy. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, I think that's what's so difficult with pregnancy loss, too, is because I think you start realizing how true that is for life in general. And it can Mm -hmm. be very um, kind of like you just feel like the foundation of what you were living your life based on is kind of like cracked or, you know, cause I think we all think we're sort of immune to certain tragedies and that if we do certain things, right. Like 
we'll be okay. And I think when you lose a pregnancy and you start getting a sense of like, oh, these things just happen. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing I could have done to prevent this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're a good person or not. It doesn't, it just sort of happens. So for me, it, that was kind of, it really shook me kind of to realize like how vulnerable I was to, to just things going wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And I I think that from talking to other women, I think that's definitely something that can be um, a really hard part of loss. And most of them, and I I count myself like this too, it eventually translates to a sort of gratitude because you do realize how fragile life is and how um, everything can change in an instant. And Mm -hmm. I think knowing that is can end up being very liberating and very kind of just make you feel so grateful for the everyday moments of life and every moment you get. And I know that, I don't know if that sounds cheesy or not, but I think some of, some of what I've learned and kind of grown from my losses is kind of having that gratitude that just, yes, life is very fragile and it can't, that, that fact can be terrifying, but it can also Mm -hmm. just be kind of, can open you up to like compassion and just living a richer life Mm -hmm. um, in a way. I agree. And I think every woman that, uh, that I've talked to, and I'm sure you the same, and you ex- probably experienced it, is infertility and loss changes you. Yes. Completely changes who you are. And, yes. And I, I'm going to say the majority of the time, it's hard to say this, but really for the better for the gratitude and, and things the, how you relate to other people a, a lot yeah. and, and just, it changes you and it's a hard change, a very difficult change, but um, it's definitely yeah. you're changed. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 we write about this in the book too. And I, I kind of think about this in my own life. Like they added a sixth stage of grief, um, finding meaning. They added that a couple years ago and, um, I think that's so true. Like, I think that is kind of part of the grief process is finding meaning. And there are a lot of positive changes that can come, but I think each person has to kind of find it in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can get confused with like people saying when you're going through it, you're so strong, like this will make you stronger. And it's like, that doesn't help. Like in the moment and in the grief, when you've just lost a baby, like you're not, thinking of your future personal growth, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of have to find what that experience is going to mean to you in your own time, in your own way. It might take months. It might take years before you sort of package it in a way that feels right to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And one person's meaning is not the same for another. I mean, people have different things that they take away from their experience with this. So um, I think you just have to kind of have some grace and um, not rush people through or rush yourself through the grieving process, you know, kind of looking for this meaning, like it'll reveal itself in time in in a very personal way to you. Yes. But um, I think a lot of people try to rush to that. And it's Mm -hmm. not, it's such an individual, you know, process. Yeah. Yeah. And with you saying that, I'm, I'm just gonna, I've not shared this on the, on the podcast at all, but I will, since we're kind of just talking about this is I am in the process to help women, you know, through that process. I am um, a grief coach 
Yeah, I've had training and all of that, working on getting the business um, up and going. So in the very, very near future, anyone that's feeling that, um, that they need that support um, to help them through that, those stages, you know, I will be available for them. Um, so yeah, yeah it's a, it's that's a, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there need to be more people, I think, focused on this, especially in like a mental health arena. Cause yeah. I will say like the therapist that I was seeing when I first had my loss, like she had no experience of pregnancy loss and I just, you yes. know, and she hadn't like researched, she hadn't researched it in a way. And so I just felt like she didn't get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. so I think it's really important to have people out there who have been through it or at least had some like really close relationship with somebody who's been through it or have done mm-hmm. a lot of training, like you said, or like really like explored the intricacies of this kind of loss. Yes. Um, Cause there's so many people who are in need of that. Like, yes. Yeah. And partners mm-hmm. too. Um, not just, not just the person carrying the baby, but the partner yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And so through the podcast, I've kind of discovered that. And so it's kind of led me to where I'm at um, in that, in the process starting that yeah but you have alluded to this and so I want you to say a little bit more about it um several times is you have a book um that you've talked about and we're gonna have you and your co-authors a podcast coming up but if you want to just briefly kind of share what the name of the book is kind of a little bit of the concept of the book um and your co-authors if I'll give you yeah Yeah. So the book is called All the Love, Healing Your Heart and Finding Meaning After Pregnancy Loss. Um, And my goal with writing it was to was so that people could read it and feel kind of like they're talking to a friend who's been through this. Mm -hmm. But also, in addition to like that memoir piece, also get kind of like therapeutic insights about the experience, which is why I partnered with um, two therapists. They're also friends of mine. So Meredith Resnick is a licensed social worker and Hong Depp is a um, board certified psychologist. So they each kind of provide feedback as I'm providing my personal experience. And and they're very short entries. Um, We have a very detailed table of contents. So you can flip to like exactly the section that you want to explore that day. It could be like, I mean, we, we touch on everything from going back to work after a loss to you know, having sex after a loss, like when you do that, the physical parts of loss, Mm -hmm. like dealing with doctor's appointments, um, racial and socioeconomic issues that can kind of intersect with pregnancy loss. Um, So we try to make it like really comprehensive and very reader friendly so that you can kind of have it as like a companion. Um, That's the goal. I mean, that's what I wanted when I was going through this. And I read a ton of great memoirs, but I thought it would be nice to kind of combine that with you know, some therapeutic learnings. Um, it can be hard to go out and find a therapist. So maybe this can be kind of like a, um, you know, either a complimentary to a therapist or mm-hmm. um, an interim therapist. <laughs> um, yeah. To kind of, you know, offer some comfort and um, explanation for some of the, the emotions that can come up. Mm-hmm. And I would say you described it. It's very um, comprehensive. Um, yeah. And just really, um, I, I, Kim has sent me the book and I have been reading it, but kind of jumping around, you know, and yeah. it's a book that you don't have to cover to, to cover, you know, you jump around 
for the different topics and the different um, areas that that are uh, new at that time or touching you at that time. And so uh, what I have read so far, I'm loving it. I think it's going to be a great tool resource for for others. Um, Yeah, we've had a a reader describe it as what to expect um, when you're expecting, but for miscarriage. mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of supposed to be kind of like that in terms of like a guide that's, you know, you don't have to read cover to cover. You can kind of pop in and out as you need. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know when I was going through my losses, I didn't really have like the mental wherewithal to dive into like a really comprehensive book. I just wanted something I can kind of hold and read a section and put it down and come back and um, kind of feel that engagement that way. Yeah. And I think it's definitely that. So I'm really uh, looking forward to having all three of you on the podcast coming up here. Um, It will be within probably then. I know we've scheduled a time to record. So when it will actually be released, I'm not sure of, but within the next month or so, for sure, that will be, um, be out for the listeners. But as we can you kind of summarize uh, maybe some of the advice and encouragement that you've already given the listeners um, and kind of yeah, show that I mean, at, the, at the end here. That would be great. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all about people feeling empowered, I think, as they go through this journey, because it can really strip you of any sense of power or control. Mm. And um, so I think that comes down to like knowing what you can emotionally, physically, financially, um, relationship wise handle in terms of trying again, um, in terms of going through with a fertility treatment and, you know, all of those decisions that have to be made. And just this opportunity is, I mean, this experience is such an opportunity to kind of get in touch with your own inner gut and your instinct and your intuition. And it might not match up with what people are telling you to do or what you quote unquote should do. Um, but I think this is such an opportunity to really trust yourself and know that there's no right or wrong, um, Mm -hmm. to what you decide. Um, and there's no necessarily right or wrong outcome. Um, you know, I think happy endings come in all different shapes and forms. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I totally agree with, with all of that for sure, that it's really every situation is different and you have to really go with what you can handle um, yep. for sure while you're going through it. Um, and I'm sure Kim's available, her book's available if we, and if I will be available at any time, if, if anyone needs some, um, someone to talk to, someone for support to help. Um, guide you through those things. We're we're here. That's both of our missions is to help others for sure. Yes. So again, I today to come on um, and share with the um, with. Yeah. Thank thank you you for having me. It's been, I I love the work you do and I'm so grateful that you're doing it and helping, helping people in the way you do. Yeah. Well, thank you. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on today to share your story. Share your journey with all of us. 
I am sure you have encouraged so many of the listeners that possibly were feeling alone on their journey, and you've given them some hope to continue. I so much appreciate you. And the listeners, thank you so much for taking time out of your precious day to listen. If indeed, of course, Kim has given you some great advice or encouragement, I would ask that you please write a review. That is the way that we can get this podcast episode out there to all those that may need some words of encouragement, advice, some support, someone to connect to. And if you haven't already, second thing I ask is that you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode because you never know when there'll be someone that you meet that you need to share this with. And of course, that's the last thing that I always ask is that you please, the person that you that you thought of maybe today, a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, someone at church that could be struggling, share this podcast with them. We just want everyone to feel that they have support and that they're not feeling alone on their journey, their struggles with loss or infertility. So please share this with them so that they're not feeling alone. And in the show notes will be Kim's information about her book and also how you can connect with her. And as always, you can reach out to me. I would love to connect with you. And you could do that via email at Teresa, it's T-E-R-E-S-A dot women connect 2019 at gmail.com or reach out to me through Facebook at women connect and support. And as always, that's in the show notes. Um, if you didn't catch it as uh, on the recording here. And the other thing is, I want you to know, as always, that if you would like to share your story with me, would you like to connect with me, please reach out. But if you'd like to share your story here on an episode, reach out. I would love to hear it. I would love to have you on as a guest. And we know that when you share that story, the story of your journey, that it is very powerful and that it will help others and inspire them on their journey and give them hope.